Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. All right, hey, so we are, as a church um, have been in uh, this, this journey that started last week of 21 days of prayer and fasting. And if you haven't been here, you haven't uh, caught up, you can go back and catch all of our content on our YouTube channel or our podcast, but also we're using a 21-day little devotional guide. It's out there in the lobby. You can pick one of those up on your way out if you haven't had a chance to grab one. Um, but we're on this journey together, totally invitational, no guilt, no shame, no, no obligation, but an invitational journey of growing deeper in our relationship with Jesus. And so we'd love you to pick up that book and use that, but also join us in this fast. It's not too late if you're jumping in a little later. Um, and we're really facilitating a lot of that through our city groups as well. And so, uh, by the way, if we don't have your email on file, we're sending all of these practices and updates out through either email or our social media platform. So that's the best way to keep up to date with everything outside of a gathering on a Sunday morning. But... I just want to check in real fast. How's, how's fasting going? We, <laughs> we, sang, we sang a song about joy this morning, right? Like singing about joy in the Lord. And I was like, I wonder how many people, have, like how many of us are fasting from coffee and we're having a really hard time with joy right now. <laughs> like, come on, Holy Spirit joy, right? All right, so, so we're in this journey. Um, and I, I just want to encourage you, like, like think about it. What's been working over the last week? What's not been working? And I just want to encourage you on this journey, make adjustments as necessary, keep practicing and, and keep pressing in. I, I've learned a lot this week. Some things went, went really, really well. Some things went less well. Monday on my group, kind of second day into fasting. One of the things I'm fasting from is like, like sweets and sugar. And so I'm sitting on the couch and Danielle made these amazing uh, um, little cookie dough cake ball thingies for our group. And everybody's pumped about them and raving about them. And so then I'm I'm like, Isaac, throw me one of those cake balls. And he throws one across the room and I pop it. And then, then we're like, I'm, I'm eating this cake ball. And they're like, so what are you fasting from? I'm like, you know, I'm fasting from sugar. <laughs> Dang it. So then I called Isaac the devil and we, we got over it, right? So was like, he's a tempter is what he is. So, uh, uh, and then on Wednesday, so I just want to just help you understand, it's been a rough week, okay? I, I got a lot of things right, a couple things wrong. Wednesday, it, we were up here and we were working, uh, loading all this fire relief material as we help families, and Daniel walks by and I'm eating a Girl Scout cookie, and he's like, what are you eating? I'm like, I'm eating a cookie. <laughs> Dang it! <laughs> so, I don't know how it's going for you. The rest of it's been a really good week. I just want you to know, right? It's okay if you make mistakes. Keep pressing in. Don't give up, okay? Now, last week, we're in this series called Followers. And listen, if you're not a follower of Jesus or you're new to City Church or new-ish and you're kind of plugging in, first, I want you to hear me. You are loved, safe, and welcome in this community, whether you're joining us online or you're joining us here in person. You're loved, safe, and welcome no matter where you are on your spiritual journey. Our desire is simply to meet you where you are and help you take some next steps toward uh, a relationship with God, whatever that looks like for you your timeline, your journey, and so we're just here to serve you in that space. But also, as we're pressing into this new series, I think it's answering a lot of really helpful questions. If you're a follower of Jesus, it's adding clarity. Hopefully, it adds a lot of uh, depth in our relationship with God, as well as what God wants to do in and through us. But if you're not a follower of Jesus, it's actually clarifying some important questions. And we asked this question last week. What does it mean to follow Jesus, and it was really important. Like, like I don't know what you, you know, heard and grown up around or been exposed to. Lots of well-meaning people with, with, with you know, great churches 
and all of that, sometimes we like get these answers wrong and all of a sudden we move into following Jesus as a list of like rights and wrongs and, and rules and regulations and like am I doing the right things, am I not doing the wrong things and, and we kind of chalk it up to like behavior modification but it's not that at all and Jesus last week we looked at it clarified this invitation. His first century followers would have absolutely understood the invitation when he looked at them and said hey follow me but for you and I sometimes that's lost on our ears. So we looked at it, we broke it down. Very simply, to follow Jesus, it means, firstly, to be with Jesus. The first invitation is simply to be with him, not to do things for him, but to enter into a relationship with him, to be with Jesus. The second thing is to become like Jesus, and the third thing is to begin to do what Jesus did. And we talked about how these are not timelines. We're not breaking the year down into, you know, sectors and months where, okay, first half of the year we're doing be with Jesus, and then, you know, the summer we're going to work on, you know, becoming like Jesus, and then by the end of the year we're going to start to do what Jesus did, right? That's not how this works. These are all functioning at the same time, God doing a work in us. And so today, what I want to walk through with you today is answering the question, like, what does it actually look like to be with Jesus? Like, it sounds great, but what does that mean? And what does that look like? How do we functionally do that? And part of our, our fasting is pointing us to that, but I want to make sure we're finding ourselves equipped. And here's why this is so important. If you and I miss this, listen, even if you're, you're not a follower of Jesus and you're wrestling with faith, if we don't start here, if we miss this, we miss everything. If we get the motive wrong, everything else falls apart. Guilt and shame are bad motivators. Peer pressure is a bad motivator. They only last for a, a little bit of time, but God has something so much better for us in a relationship with Jesus, and it starts right here. And what we're gonna find is that when we get this right, these other things start to happen as a byproduct. And it's not without intentionality. It's not, you know, it's not like we just kind of osmosis receive these things, but again, there is a starting place, and it matters that we start here. So we're gonna spend some time. Now, first, I wanna clarify kind of this invitation. So let's look at John 1. If you have your Bibles, well, you, can, you can turn there on your phones. If you're taking notes, you can follow as well. But we see John, Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist. He was standing with two of his disciples. He's kind of like the, the forerunner for Jesus, kind of amping up Jesus as he shows up on the scene. And so then as Jesus is walking by along the Sea of Galilee, John says out loud, behold, the Lamb of God. And so he's kind of speaking to Jesus and who he is and what he's come to do. And, and, and the two disciples that are with John, okay, so he's got his own little crowd and following. They heard what John said, and then they leave John and they follow him. <laughs> like, how messed up is that, right? I mean, it's probably a good thing. Jesus is worth following. Can you imagine, like, what it's like to be in John's shoes? Like, you built this awesome following, and now everyone's leaving you to follow Jesus? Okay, you're all better than me. Like, yeah, you wouldn't be hurt at all on the inside. You're like, yeah, that's the right thing to do. All right, so, so they leave John, they follow Jesus, and Jesus turns around, and he sees them following, and he says, what, what are you seeking? What are you after? And they said to him, Rabbi, teacher, again, we talked about that last week, if you missed it, where are you staying? And then he said to them, come, and you will see. It's an invitation. Come and check it out. Come and be with me. And that's the invitation for us today. Listen, no matter where you are, if you've been following Jesus for a minute, or you're brand new to this thing, or you're still kind of figuring out where you land, the invitation from Jesus is very simply, come and see. Come and give it a shot. And I want you to know this is like a, a real invitation, right? Like to actually be with Jesus physically in the flesh. I mean, they're going to go where he's going. They're going to do what he's doing. There's a real live invitation from Jesus, the Son of God, and a rabbi, right? It's, it's, that's what we talked about last week. So they're going to be with Jesus in the flesh. So, so again, how do we be with Jesus? Because this invitation is very literal, to be with him, right? To walk with him. But you and I are at a little bit of a dilemma because, because we don't have the privilege of walking with Jesus in the flesh, right? He, he's, been, he's been buried and resurrected, and, and, and scriptures tell us that he's like, sitted at the, see, sitted? <laughs> that's, that's good grammar. I went to college, guys, okay? 
He's seated at the right hand of God. So you're like, okay, so, so then how, how can we be with Jesus when we can't do what his first century followers were actually doing? And what's amazing is Jesus actually addressed this because he, he knew that this was going to shift while he was actually with them. So check out John 14 here. Look at this. Jesus kind of, again, as he's building this, this group of disciples, these followers, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. Now, now don't get that wrong. If you're like me, sometimes your heart hears, if you love me, you better obey me. <laughs> if you love me, you better do X, Y, and Z. But Jesus is attaching the invitation, if you love me, the motive, emphasis on love, if you love me, the byproduct is, you will keep my commands. Not you keep my commands and I will love you, right? Our, our minds and our hearts can do weird little, little tricks of, of flipping around motive here, but Jesus' invitation is clear. If you love me, the byproduct is, you're going to keep my commands. And I'm going to ask the Father, he says, and he will give you another helper. Th th that word in the Greek, it means literally another of the same kind, someone just like Jesus. In another place, he would say, there's actually better that I go so that the Father can send this helper to be with you forever. You see it? So how do we be with Jesus? Jesus answers the question, I'm going to send you another just like me to what? To be with you, you got it? You following me? Even the Spirit, we're talking about the Spirit of God, the, the Spirit of truth whom the world can't receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Okay, so he's speaking to, in the flesh, standing there with his disciples, helping them understand how they're going to continue to be with Jesus after his death, burial, and resurrection. Now watch, he goes on in verse 25. He says, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, right? You see it? Like, we're all here together, and you can, you know, touch me, and, and we're right here. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace, Jesus says, I'm giving to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you? Not a trip to the mountains, not a day off from a long, hard week, not a glass of wine, although that helps. Something different, right? Not as the world gives. Let not your hearts be troubled, and neither let them be afraid. So, so Jesus is encouraging them. He's setting up this, this new transition of a relationship. How do we be with Jesus? John Mark Comer explains it this way. Um, he says that the first and primary goal of following Jesus is learning to live in a constant state of awareness of and connection to the Holy Spirit. So, so what does that mean? Jesus talked about it, literally the next chapter. So we're, we're in 14, John's have, or Jesus is having that conversation. And then right after that, Jesus expands on this relationship with the Holy Spirit. How do we be with Jesus? John 15, check this out, verse one. Jesus uses the word abide. This is the word meno in Greek. It literally means to stay at home with me, to let your soul rest with me, to make your home with me. It's where we get the word abode. You guys get the picture, right? This is like somewhere that you, your soul's at rest and you're at home and you come back to consistently. Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch can't bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, Neither can you unless you abide in me. So he's using a metaphor to help us understand. Just like a branch to a tree, right? The only way a branch on an apple tree is producing apples is if it's connected to the rest of the tree. You guys, right? You understand, right? 
windstorm comes through, knocks off branches. You ever see just branches laying on the ground producing fruit? No, it doesn't work like that. He's saying the same way, that's our relationship. You're the branch. Jesus defines our role. He says, I'm, uh, I'm sorry, he says, as the branch can't bear fruit, uh, wow, I'm all, all over the place. I'm the vine, there it is, verse five. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Jesus is the vine, you are the, you have a role, and Jesus has a role. Religion wants to slip, like flip these roles. Religion says try really, really hard to produce a lot of good fruit. Work really, really hard on what's going on on the outside and just, just press that stuff out. Jesus says, no, 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 that's my job. You're the branch, I'm the vine. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Now Jesus is gonna define the fruit for us in a little while. Okay, we're not talking about apples here. Talking about the fruit in our lives that we actually want to produce. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, I don't know how you read that. I used to read it like, apart from me, you can't do great things. You can't do significant things. You can't do things that matter in this world. But Jesus says, apart from me, you can do no thing. No, nothing. That, that means as a follower of Jesus, anything I do separate from the power of God working in and through me, anything I do disconnected from this relationship is useless. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that it doesn't look good on the outside, by the way. It means it has no significance to connect to Jesus and his plan and his kingdom and what he wants to do in and through us. He goes on, I think, yeah, verse eight. <laughs> and he says, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. There's like proof in the pudding, right? Like, like how do you know an apple tree is an apple tree? Because it produces apples. How do you know an orange tree is an orange tree? This is oranges. There's a fruit attached to the life of a Jesus follower. And this is not a comparison game. It's not like, oh, I'm going to look at your fruit. I'm looking at my fruit. And you know, why are your apples bigger? And you know, why is your fruit more shiny? And you know, why are you producing more oranges? Right? That's, it's not the invitation. The invitation is that connected to this relationship, we can bear the fruit God wants to in our lives. These things I have spoken to you, he says, that my joy, check this out, my joy might be in you and that your joy might be full. Who wants that this morning? Man, I, I want that. How many of you would agree that if you just kind of carried your life around like the invitation that Jesus, like if you could have some of what Jesus had here, and you showed up in your workplace, you showed up in your home, you're like engaging with your neighbors, you have that conflict in your family, and you showed up like this, how many of you would agree that at least on your end, things would be better? Right, like literally, there's no possible way that you and I carrying ourselves in this relationship in this manner, it doesn't benefit the world around us, and that's the point. That this abiding relationship, Jesus uses this word in this small passage 10 times, meno, over and over again. And so, so you say, how do we do this? What Jesus is saying is you and I need to get into God's presence and stay there. Get, abide, to get into his presence and stay there. And you're like, okay, so I need to go shave my head and join a monastery, Right? Because that's the only functional way. I mean, I mean, we're all busy. We have jobs, and we have kids, and we have school, and we have relationships, and we have to go party on Friday night. I mean, we have things to do, Jesus. I can't just pray all day. And I think the secret here is, is not an invitation to shave our heads and, and, and go join a monastery, although some of you are already halfway there. That's a joke to my hairless friends in the room. <laughs> okay, it's okay. Sorry, I was... Not planned, but it's funny. All right, anyway, uh, um, just saying, if you're interested, halfway there. All right, anyway, so, so what does it look like? What, what this is, it comes down to learning to, be two, it, learning to be in two places at once. 
And this is not, not speaking to multitasking, okay, because that's totally just useless, but the idea is, the invitation to abide is that I can abide with Jesus, yes, while I'm praying or while I'm reading my Bible or in silence and solitude, some of those practices we've been pressing into. Absolutely, I can, I can find the space to abide there. But I'll, I can also abide while I'm emailing and while I'm in traffic and while I'm with my three-year-old or, or while I'm you know, road biking or, or I can abide while hiking a trail or, or, or you know, while I'm at work in a conference call. I can abide in the middle of conflict. I can abide in the middle of, you know, a ski trip while I'm shredding the gnar. We say that, we say that right? Shredding the gnar, no? Okay. <laughs> I don't, uh, anyway, all right. The point is, you know, so, some of the things we do are life-giving, right? Like some people are like, oh man, on a hike in nature, right? That's a place where I can, my soul kind of can find some rest. And I agree, like, there's definitely places of reset for our soul. But the point is, no matter where you are, Jesus' invitation is to abide, Paul would use the language of, of prayer without ceasing. You ever, you ever pondered at that? Like, what does he mean, pray without ceasing? <laughs> I can't. I can't be on my knees and at work at the same time. I mean, I, mean, I gotta I got do my job. And the idea is that we actually have the ability to abide, to practice, as, as uh, this guy named Brother Lawrence called practicing the presence of God. Let me show you a quote from Brother Lawrence. Old school dead guy, okay? The time of business, this little, little book, uh, the Practice of the Presence of God. It's great. It's a little, little itty-bitty thing, but really, really solid book if you want to pick it up. The time of business, he says, does not differ with me from the time of prayer. How many of you just agree with that? You're like, yep, that's my life. 100% no. Unless you're just talking about not showing up on time. <laughs> then okay, I can do that. And in the noise and the clatter of my kitchen while several persons are at the same time calling for different things, he worked in the kitchen, I possess God in as great tranquility as if I was on my knees. Isn't that, isn't that cool? So, so I've been practicing it this week, and we're going to talk about it a little bit, practicing the presence of God. Dallas Willard talks about it this way. He says, the first and most basic thing that we can and must do is keep God before our minds. This is the fundamental secret of caring for our souls. See, you, you and I live compartmentalized lives. We think, okay, God time, rest of my day. Maybe a few resets here and there, but mainly it's like, okay, my God time and the rest of my day. And there's this relationship, this abiding of practicing the presence of God throughout our day. He says, is the secret, our part in thus Practicing the presence of God is to direct and to redirect our minds constantly to, them, to him, which is totally true, right? You ever have to just reset over and over again? Like, I'm back, I'm back, I'm back, and I'm back, right? Like, like, we already have to do that in our own conversations, right? Put the phone down, look somebody in the eyeball, and have a conversation. It's the same thing, and it's this practice of directing and redirecting. He goes on. And he talks about it in this way. He says, in the early time of our practicing, which we've been talking about all these disciplines that are kind of like practices, like, you know, that we're, that we're trying these things out and growing in them, that we might be challenged by our burdensome habits of dwelling on things less than God. That our minds just kind of wonder and we drift and we get stressed out about money and we get frustrated about that conflict and they said this about me and they didn't like my post over here and I'm stressed out about this test that I have and this project at work is not going the way I, I, I need it to go. Right? We have these things that pull our minds away, but these are habits, not the law of gravity. They can be broken, and a new, grace-filled habit 
will replace the former ones as we take intentional steps. So you can see all the effort that we have to put into this, right? Toward keeping God before us. Now, now he, he finishes it this way, and I love how he lands the plane here. He says, soon, as we practice this, this is why we're in a practice season, soon our minds will return to God as the needle of a compass constantly returns to the north. You ever met somebody like just so in step with, like they're not weird, I mean, I know you've met some weird people, but you know, it's, it's like they're not weird religious people, but they're just like, they have a relationship with God that's just like constantly present and abiding. Like they're just, you can see it in them. And, and it's like they're, they're just kind of naturally returning north. Not that they don't drift, but man, doesn't your soul long to the place where you just kind of naturally, even when you drift, you're like naturally, there's something in you that points you back north. You see it? He says, if God is the great longing of our souls, he will become the pole star of our inward beings. So, so the purpose of spiritual disciplines, these practices that we're pressing into, you know, silence and solitude and fasting and, and prayer and, and reading the scriptures and Sabbath, all of these things, right? Th their whole person endeavors toward orienting our lives around God. Not a, a priority in my life, but the central focus of everything that I do. Now, now you know this, they're all means to an end, right? Like we talked about it over and over again. That some of us kind of get burdened with, like, make sure you read your Bible. Let me ask you a question. What's the point of reading the Bible? To say you read the Bible? Right? Now, I mean, sometimes we do it that way, don't we? We're like, yep, I did it, so I can show up at group and let everybody know I did it. But that's not the point. It's to know and be shaped by Jesus, right? It's the point of prayer and of fasting and of Sabbath. There are all these things that we're trying out. There's a means to an end. The end is to be with Jesus, we, we talked about it last week. The best part of following Jesus is Jesus. So, so don't, don't misalign the practices. Now, I think Paul captures this really, really well in Galatians 5. So we're going to kind of end our time together in this verse. And I think it's going to serve us well to kind of understand how all this works together of practicing the presence of God. He says, but I say to you, Walk by the Spirit. So again, kind of go get your mind together. Jesus got talking talk about the Holy Spirit will be in you, will be with you. Once you trust in Jesus, you receive the Spirit of God in your life. Paul would say elsewhere, how do we know we're children of God? Because of the Spirit of God inside of us. He says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about this. And so you can go back on, on the last week of our series in Silence and Solitude and, and just pick up a little more about this, this tension of the flesh. And we, we gave it a definition of like our, our, our disordered desires, that that's what the flesh would be. We're not talking about the stuff, you know, the skin that you have. We're talking about when Jesus saves us and sets us free, there's still this flesh that we wrestle with on this side of eternity. And, and, and we can kind of sum it up to our disordered desires that are informed by false truths and then perpetuated in the world that we live in. And Paul gives, I want you to notice in this passage what are commands from Paul and what are observations, okay? This is really important. As you read it, what are the commands? What are the observations? So Paul says, walk by the Spirit command. Observation, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Byproduct, you see it? For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit of God are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. You, you ever felt that war inside of you? 
to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. I love that he speaks to your deepest desires. If you're a follower of Jesus, we talked about this. Sometimes our strongest desires are not our deepest desires. But sometimes it's easier to respond to our strongest desires, our loudest desires, the squeaky wheel in our life, but it doesn't reflect our deepest desires, our deepest longing. You ever, you ever done something or said something that you know, felt good in the moment because your flesh kind of just, you know, you did that, and then like right after you immediately regretted it? You had this conviction from the, the Holy Spirit in, in your life of like, man, that's not how I want to talk. That's not, the, that's not the attitude I want to carry. That's not how I want to respond. I don't want to look at those things. I don't want to, you know, you know, think about relationships in that way. I, I, I want to be generous with my time and money. And, right? You have these different categories of like, man, I, I wish I could change it, but then you, you missed it on the front end. And so he speaks to it. He's like, man, they're opposed to each other, and it keeps you from doing the things that you want to do the, the desires that the Spirit of God gives you that are in line with God's will for our lives. And again, God's a good dad. So, so I don't know, you know your experience with God and kind of understanding him as a father figure, but as a good dad, anything that he says that we should do or should not do, they're not like, you know, mean, fun sucker, don't have any fun, you know, make your life suck, follow Jesus, right? It's not like that. God's a good dad who loves his kids, and if he puts up a boundary, if he says something's you know, right or wrong, or, or we need to shift our thinking in something, it's because he cares for us, he made us, he is good, and he knows that for you and I to thrive, to have genuinely life to the fullest, like Jesus talked about, that we need to align ourselves with him. That when I tell my kids, no, you cannot play in the middle of the road in front of our house, it's not because I'm a fun sucker, it's because I don't want them to, to become one with the pavement, right? Like, I love them, and they don't get it, right? They're, they're, they're four and six, and they're like, Dad, you're so mean. I'm like, you can think whatever you want about me. I'd rather you be alive, <laughs> right? And, and sometimes you and I disagree with God, but it, but it doesn't mean that he's not good. It just means that our understanding and our desires have to catch up to him. The good news is, with the Spirit of God, we can get there. Now, I love this. He says, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Speaking to a list of rules that you, you feel like, you know, oh, don't, don't, don't do these things. Don't think about those. Don't touch those things. Don't, don't do that. Make sure I do these, right? Like, you and I kind of get in those spaces of do and don't, right and wrong. And, and he says, there's actually no law when you're, li- when you're living by the Spirit of God because love has no law. That, that I, I don't need a law to tell me not to lie because love moves me not to lie. Love actually says that you're more valuable. I'm gonna tell you the truth. You see, love is, is, is the greater calling because love is actually harder than following a list of rules. That you and I shouldn't say, oh, what's right, what's wrong, you know, make sure I do the right things. We actually should ask the bigger question, what does love require of me? Because that's gonna be the harder answer that you and I press into, but by the Spirit of God, we can press in. Now check this out, he goes on. Now, Paul just, again, observations, okay? Now, the works of the flesh, those disordered desires inside of us, they're evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. He says, I warn you as I warned you before that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Notice he uses the word practice. As, as in, not, not, don't, don't hear a list of things to make sure you don't do to make it into the kingdom of God. That's not the invitation. The invitation into the kingdom of God is to follow Jesus, to trust in Jesus that what he did, his death, burial, and resurrection on the cross was enough to pay for my sin, forgive me, adopt me into the family of God, make me right with him, and set me on a journey with him. 
I do not do or not do things to earn my way into the kingdom of God. But Paul's observation here is there are things evident in our flesh that show up, and if, if we find ourselves in a space of unrepentance, meaning, meaning there's nothing in our lives that's being grieved by things that God says is not good for us and it's harmful to others. He says that's reason to look at our lives and question, why, why not? Why, why isn't there a, a, a tug in me against these things? So this is not a don't do these things or you won't. This is an observation from Paul. He goes on. But the fruit of the Spirit. Now he borrows the same metaphor from Jesus of a tree and a branch. But the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit that he produces in and through you and I, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's not a single one of us in here that says, yep, those suck. I don't want to be anything like that. <laughs> right? All of us are like, dude, I, I, I need that. And some of us are probably like, man, I know some people that need that. <laughs> right? Let's not point any fingers. Let's just look at us. I need that. He says the fruit, the byproduct of walking in the Spirit, not things you've got to try hard. You ever seen like a stressed out apple tree? Right? Working really, really hard to produce an apple. You're just, just so anxious. Working super. No. What does a branch do? A branch just hangs on, and the tree does the work. That's the invitation from Paul, from Jesus, through the Holy Spirit. And those who belong to Christ, I love that he says this, those who belong to Christ Jesus have, been, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, right? That's, that's why we fast, by the way, right? There's this, this continual coming back to crucifying my disordered desires with Jesus and allowing the Spirit to lead. Now, again, you noticed observations and commands, right? Mostly observations. So far, only one command, right? To walk in the Spirit. So, verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also command, keep in step with the Spirit. So you see the difference? What's the command? Walk in the Spirit. Abide. Not do or don't, right or right. Not, not check your list and make sure you're doing it all right. Abide with Jesus. Why? Because everything else will fall into place. What did he say? You will not emphatic step into the desires of the flesh if you're walking in the Spirit. I love that he uses the word of like keeping in step. Because this for me gives an illustration. Where's Isaac? Isaac, where are you? Come here, come here. Everybody put your hands together for Isaac. He has no idea what he's doing. Come on, Isaac. Hurry, hurry, hurry. So, I want you to understand that, that a tree, a branch, when it's producing fruit, it's not trying, it's simply abide, abiding, right? So this, this invitation to, to keep in step with the Spirit. Come here, right here, right here. We're going we're gonna to work on keeping in step, okay? He's, he's so tall. Here, put your, yeah, ah, yeah. All right, so we're going to try to, like, keep in step. I just want you guys to get this, okay? Because when we're practicing the presence of God, we're going to go back and forth, okay? So we're going to try to keep in step. You ready? Okay, yeah. All right, so we're left foot first, yeah? Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, put your hands together. Oh, look at that, look at that. All right, turn around, turn around, turn around. All right. Keep in step. You ready? Ready, ready, hold on, hold on. He's got big feet. All right, all right. Le left foot. <laughs> Don't hurt me. He's also a big man. All right, left foot first. You're right. We're going we're gonna to skip. Can we do that? Skip. Skip. You ready? Okay. Sit. Oh! <laughs> I can't believe this is working. This is actually messing up my analogy. All right, go sit down. Go sit down. Thank you, thank you, Isaac. Put your hands together for Isaac. Okay, okay. So, what I assumed would happen, I just didn't know Isaac was such a good skipper. Um, what I assumed would happen is that we would have a really hard time. I should have picked up the pace. You know, I should have, like, 
juked him out. But anyway, what I assume would happen is, uh, you know, we would kind of get out of step from time to time, right? So what happens? If we're walking together and we get out of step, what do we need to do? Pause, reset, start again. And then we get out, oh, 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 pause, reset, start again. And that's what it looks like to practice the presence of God. So I'm going to give you just a couple of things. Uh, Akari, I'm going to invite you to come. She's going to play the keys as we wrap up our time together. Uh, uh, but I'm going to help you just kind of put all this together in your mind. So I've been practicing the presence of God. This is not, don't, don't get weird about it, okay? This is how do I abide throughout my day? And we're just kind of, all right, am I, am I in step with the Spirit? Okay, here we go, here we go. So, so I had this moment. I was like into it. I'm studying and I'm reading and I'm, you know, reading the little devotional we're doing. And, and so then I'm coming back in from parking the van and my family's inside. I think it was on Friday. And so then I'm like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to practice the presence of God today, and I'm, it's going to be great. And so like, I'm like hurrying back inside, and I'm literally, I'm praying out loud, God, help me to walk in to my house today. I just got off work. Help me to like, you know, invest in them and, and have words of encouragement. Help me to practice your presence as I enter the room and love on my family, right? And I've got, I'm, I'm just jazzed about it, right? I'm like, practice the presence. Yeah, here we go. Skip in with the Holy Spirit up the stairs. I walk up the stairs, and I kid you not, the first stupid thing out of my mouth is a word of criticism. <laughs> I walk up the stairs, and Danielle's doing something. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> so much for that prayer. That was dumb. So, so I failed utterly <laughs> round one in this, and I, I just missed it. I like literally let my criticism win out on, on my effort to practice the presence of God. Now, immediately, I recognized what happened. And I just kind of spend the next 30 minutes reorienting all of that. And so what did I do? All right, hold on, hold on. Reset. I'm aware that that wasn't in line with you, Holy Spirit. I'm aware that that's, that's not where you want me to be. So reset. Here we go. Reset. Here we go. And, and again, I'm not, I'm not falling to my knees and praying in the middle of my kitchen. This is just internally practicing the presence of God. I, have my, I spent time alone with Jesus in the morning. All that's happening. But this is throughout my day. Now, that was a moment. On Saturday, I, I did a way better job <laughs> of practicing the presence. You can ask Danielle. Actually, like, she complimented me, which, I mean, that's a big deal, guys, okay? So, like, you should ask her. Now, now I, I wasn't 100%, I didn't get it right the whole time, but I was right more than I wasn't on Saturday, which I'm like, yeah, baby, that's a win. Little things, you know, the way I responded to my kids are like just, just moments of me being aware of the Holy Spirit in my responses, in, in my disposition to go in and, and hang out with some of our non-Christian friends when I'd rather try to kind of be at home and be lazy or, you know, there's all these little moments throughout the day of I just let the Holy Spirit lead. And I don't want you to hear like I was super spiritual or anything, right? There's just things that, that, that I knew and I just, okay, let's, let's do it. Here we go. Let's walk it. And, and then when I would mess up, which I did, one time my kids were doing something, I responded in anger and, and immediately I reset. I said, Holy Spirit, help me. I got down on a knee, and I looked him in the eye, and, and I mean, within seconds, I was able then to respond like the Holy Spirit wanted me to, and to apologize, because I got it wrong. Practicing the presence of God is one of the things that we're learning through, through, through fasting. So, last little bit, if you're a type A person, you're like, this is all great, what do I do tomorrow? <laughs> like, I really, super inspiring, but what about tomorrow? So here's, here's the big idea. If, if you don't remember anything from today, how do we live like Jesus? If, if you and I, if, if we want to experience the life of Jesus, 
we have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. That, that, that we can't just admire it, but we have to take the template of Jesus' life and put it over our own, that he was 100% God, but also 100% man, to understand all of our sufferings and our struggles and the heaviness of life. You and I have to choose not just to want the life of Jesus, but to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. This is a guy named Logan that I work out with. Um, and he's like the mini Hulk, okay? The dude is huge. And I look at Logan and I'm like, I wanna be like that guy. His shoulders are bigger than my head. I'm like, yeah. And by we work out together, I mean we work out in the same gym apart from each other. But you know what I mean, like we work out together. We do talk sometimes. But then, you know, honestly, when I think about it, like if I want to be like Logan, what, what I'm missing in that desire is the lifestyle of Logan. His, his eating habits and his gym regimen and all the things that he does to be where he is physically. There's a lifestyle that goes along with looking like Logan. You guys with me on this? It's one thing to want it. It's another thing to adopt the lifestyle. This is true of every area of life, right? You wanna be a good musician? You want to be a professor? Whatever it is, it's one thing to want the life. It's another thing to embrace the lifestyle. And if you and I want to experience the life of Jesus, we have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. How do I get the peace of Jesus? I got to ask the question, am I living the life of Jesus? Because they're not going to disconnect and still happen. So, this week, couple of just, just takeaways for you. Listen, no judgment, all invitation here. But on the screen, the first one is just to be with Jesus daily through silence and solitude. Everything what Jesus wants to do in and through you, everything that you're struggling with, every, every sin that's burdening you, every false thought, every amount of anxiety and depression, it, it can all be worked out first by being with Jesus. Because as we're with him, we're going to learn to love him more. As we love him, we're going to find ourselves more willing to obey and reorient Maybe things that are out of alignment or things that are not true. So listen, I don't know what your rhythms are like, but we have every resource available to empower you in this. Series online, Bibles in the lobby, journals, city groups, all of it is there to help you be with Jesus daily. Through silence and solitude. We have that little 21-day book. If you didn't get it, pick it, out of, pick it up in the lobby on the way out. It's scripture and prayer every day just to, just to do something to get alone and be with Jesus. The second thing is press into the practice of fasting to help you practice the presence of God throughout your day and make adjustments. Listen, I've made adjustments this week. I've moved some things around. I added some things, some things I thought were gonna be helpful. They weren't actually helping me. But whatever it is that throughout my day, I'm, I'm finding myself hungering for that thing, whether it's food or whether it's social media or whatever it is, and I'm reorienting those desires back to practicing the presence of God. Lastly, not lastly, but the second to the last thing is, is share in your city group how this is going. Again, this is a practice. So share what you're learning. Share what God is doing. Share, share how it's going and then ask for help. Ask for encouragement. Man, our community is where this thing comes alive. And lastly, make adjustments as needed. This is all invitational. This is all permission 
Not guilt and shame, but an invitation to walk deeper with Jesus so that he can do in and through us what he wants to do. Vance Pittman says it this way, everything Jesus wants to do in your life and through your life, he will do out of the overflow of your relationship with him. And listen, if you've been following Jesus for a minute and these practices are kind of like solid for you in routine, can I just encourage you to share your life with others, to be in community, to share your experience, to share your wisdom, to be an encouragement, and to stay humble in all of that? That none of us have it all figured out. We gotta keep tweaking and getting better at this but there's a value of not only you and I growing, but how God wants to use us to grow others and how he wants to use us to make his love known in the world. So the invitation from Jesus is come and see. Come be with me. Let me pray for us. Will you bow your heads with me? As you bow your heads and close your eyes and just uh, take a moment to reflect, and I hope that your heart is longing for the fruit of the, of the Spirit in your life. Your heart is longing to be with Jesus in such a way that then these things are produced in and through you. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. God, right now as my friends are just gathered together today as we're here in community, as we're reminded of the invitation. We know you love us, but I pray for anyone in the room who's unsure of that love or if they think that your love is attached to performance, that they would hear it very clearly today. The invitation is to be with you because you did everything for us. There is no performance that we bring to the table. Our performance is never gonna be good enough, but Jesus, you were good enough. And when you died in our place for our sin and rose again, you made a way as we trust in you to be saved and set free and to have a relationship with you as you form us into your image and work in and through us in the world around us. And so I pray for anyone in the room right now, Jesus, who has never said yes to you, that today they would feel the conviction in their heart of the Holy Spirit right now, the invitation in the pool to say yes to you today for the first time. And right now in their hearts and minds, they would pray and say, Jesus, I want to start a relationship with you today. I need you to forgive me and save me and set me free so I can start walking with you. For those of us in the room that, that are followers of Jesus, God, I pray this week would, would move away from religious obligation and it would move into the incredible invitation to be with you. And as we are with you, we become more like you. We begin to do what you did. And so, God, I pray for each one of us that, that we would receive the invitation. There would be a longing in our heart that our disordered desires would move aside and we would say yes to you daily. We'd have time alone, intimately with you, but we'd also be able to practice the presence of God throughout our day through the gift of your Holy Spirit. And so right now, Jesus, we respond to anything you might be putting your hand on, anything that needs to change, any help that we might need, community that we need to embrace, steps we need to take, Whatever it is that you have for us, Jesus, we, we want to create space to respond this morning. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.